This is TDPS. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Hi, I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. <laughs> you're listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. And that is Christopher's voice that he makes when he is waiting to have a sugary snack until we are done recording this episode. He wants to have one now because someone, his amazing producing partner and co-host, stocked up the um, studio here with an amazing array of snack foods. Because we're reopening the studio yes. after a long absence, so everything had past its sell-by date, and we had to restock. And so, you know, why do it a bunch of times when you can just get a bunch of stuff? So you don't have to eat all of the snacks no, now. They're no, but I did time. take some home. And I, to be fair, that two-pound uh, peanut butter chocolate Easter bunny is still in there. That one you might want to That might home. be my Saturday night tonight. <laughs> Me and the bunny are going to go dancing together. And one of us isn't coming home. You want to dance, You want to dance, bunny? <laughs> Is that from something? I don't know. I don't know. It really should be. It we'll should write be. it. Which should be. Uh, we'll write it. We'll do a dancing with bunnies, whatever. Um, you made me think of something else. We were talking the about. Bunny some, oh, we have to answer this question. The we bunny ne- hop. We never answered this. Okay, we're moving. We're moving past bunnies to a Wednesday you question. Wednesday question. I think this was a Wednesday question on our Facebook page. There's something which we about never... a picture or something. There was some odd thing that you had posted. I, I've never been exactly clear on this. And you said this to me abruptly in the, um, in the <laughs> green room. We need to earlier. tell the party people why there is carpet in our that. kitchen. He said we need to tell people why there's carpet in our kitchen. And I was like. <laughs> People need to know this, like just people in general. We, we need, need to, to go tell out. People, we need to go on Sunset. I can't keep it inside anymore. We need to go on Sunset Boulevard and just it's be like, there's, "There's carpet a, in our kitchen." Because there's a body buried in no. the kitchen, and no, that's not it. it. There were a lot of interesting guesses that people made, and the answer is really dumb. Our kitchen is a kitchenette in a hallway that is carpeted. Yeah, it's like a an alcove with a microwave in it. Like the sink is in the bathroom. The, uh, um, there's a tea maker and a microwave and a lot of M and M's. Yeah, and uh, and a two pound peanut butter chocolate Easter bunny that's apparently whose days are apparently numbered. They are numbered. <laughs> If you, if you start counting today, the number is one. <laughs> one or zero. <laughs> this is zero hour for that bunny. The countdown is ending. <laughs> zero hour for Harvey. Bunny better hop. Okay. I wonder, I'm going to ask our party people, if I say Harvey in relation to a bunny. You say what? <laughs> <laughs> I need you to focus while I don't focus. I'm sorry. I, you, <laughs> I'm the wrong guy. If, I, if that was the partner you were looking for, I am not your broadcast partner. I, focus is not my thing. I want to know if our party people will know what we're talking about when we talk about a bunny named Harvey. 
So if go what? on Facebook. <laughs> what is that? It's like an old like dance floor song. <laughs> you say what? I say what? what well, I say it? Harvey. You say what? <laughs> Harvey what? Harvey what? I don't know. I'm just being ridiculous. You're just on crack is what you are. You're I am totally not. Crack. We're a crack. This is like, we're like the only podcast that doesn't record drunk or stoned. And yet we always act like we're both. <laughs> and so you can imagine what it would be like if we were. My God. <laughs> this is stone cold sober. No. This is us on tea. This is us on oolong. <laughs> oolong strong, baby. Oolong, um, jasmine, and black, my magic blend. Oh, I don't know if this is jasmine. This is blend. I made oh, this pot. Oh, you made this pot. Okay, because my pot wasn't blend. Your pot was... Um, Ken- Kensington crack. Kensington crack. Yes, that's why we're still recovering. Okay, okay, okay. Enough. Enough banter. Enough tomfoolery. None of this talk. We're going to sit silently now for the next 45 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to read solid pages um, of notes for the next 10, 20 minutes. That's how podcasts work. I'm going work. to interrupt with non sequiturs. Yeah. Do you like scarves? I like scarves. I'm wearing three right now. <laughs> I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. I do whatever even, I want. And you can't even see them. Guess where I'm wearing them? <laughs> They're on the inside. <laughs> I'm wearing scarves on the inside. I'm wearing an inside scarf. Oh, God. Okay. This is supposed to be a true crime TV club today. Well, this is a crime so far. <laughs> this is. Um, okay. Standard disclaimer. If you are just joining us and you haven't quit yet. Um... We, uh, you are not required to watch the hour of television we're about to serve up or for you. Or listen to in steaming podcast. detail. You're also not required to listen to the podcast, so please stop complaining to us about us if you're about to. Um, we are not running for president here at no, TDPS. this is not a popularity contest, or we would have lost a long time ago. The show we're going to talk about today is called A Time to Kill. The episode is episode five of season one. The episode title is A Miami Murder Mystery. I thought this was kind of a dud, but you said before the show you were going to have a you saw a twist in I it think that you wanted an to play. Interesting up. twist okay. in it that produced what you're seeing as a dud. So okay, the focus of this show this has a similar format to a show we did a long time ago that was different called Red Rum, where they counted we down. Yeah, went backwards. That was a terrible show. But this was I think more that interesting. was really craptacular. I thought that was a fun show. It was terrible. It's only thirty minutes long. It goes backwards, and it was that white trash family where it was yeah. just like wow. It was the worst wigs of any reenactment. It really was. Ever. It was shocking. It, it was, was great. Wig craptacular. The focus of this show is on reconstructing the final 24 hours of a murder victim's life. So that's there's going to be a lot of times that we give you. Right. They said of, that that was the key to figuring it out. Not that the, the investigation takes place in 24 hours, but in building that timeline of the final 24 hours of the victim's life, that's how they can solve the crime. Which, since that's when the crime happened... It's that seems kind of self evident, mm-hmm. but that's their gimmick. Yes, everybody's got to have a gimmick, and they've got one here. Bump it with a trumpet, baby. Right, absolutely. That's the show we're going to do next week. <laughs> <laughs> Bump it with a trumpet. Uh, the main focus of this show is retired Sergeant Mike Bracci. He's was with the homicide unit of the Miami Dade Police Department. Uh, it, the episode is called A Miami Murder Mystery, so if you're surprised we're in Miami, I can't help you. Right. I just go back and rewind the podcast and listen again. So. We are a bit confusing, but 
we're not that confusing. We're just confused. That's totally true. Miami, Florida, November 2004. Boom, boom, boom. Title card. Shot of Miami. A big city with a lot of ocean around it. And a bridge. Yes. That always makes me think of the Golden Girls. I wish the Golden Girls had solved crimes. Okay, now I can't focus. Let's go. Let's get back to this show. And the Golden Girls' house was actually in Brentwood. It's so in. Br- it's, it still be, is in Brentwood. It wouldn't be a title shot. It wouldn't be a shot of Miami anyway. That's so. correct. Saturday, November 20th, 2004, at 8.45 p.m., the Miami-Dade Police Department gets a call from Isabel Diaz, who says that her husband, Henry, has been missing since the night before. She's distraught. This is out of character for him. We have heard this story before on countless true crime TV club. I think that's pretty standard start for a true crime. Like, if the guy comes home later, then okay, everything's fine. But if there was a crime, then this is how it starts. So and so didn't come home. So and so didn't come home, and there was somebody there to worry about him and place the call. Right. We're introduced to Flora Seff, who is a retired prosecutor and judge, and we get the sense that she is going to be the prosecutor on whatever case develops over the next hour. Uh, We learn more about Henry. He's 35 years old, a local businessman. He and Isabel were high school sweethearts. They had three beautiful children. He was a devoted husband, a first-generation Cuban-American, and his parents opened a grocery market, which had gone on to become a well-established business operated by Henry and his brothers. Sergeant Bracci questions Isabel, who says Henry was at work by 6.30 a.m., and that the last time they spoke was 10.03 p.m. the night before he went missing. Did I say that right? No, it's the the last time she spoke to him was 10:03 p.m. and he didn't uh, come home between then and the following morning, which is when she's placing this call. Is this the bef- the night before he went missing? Is that throwing you? <laughs> My own fucking notes are throwing well, me. Is really after, the problem. After midnight, it's the morning. I don't that like he went missing. This is confusing. It's like this week versus next week. So I don't it like. Was this in fact a... the night okay, before fine. he went missing fine. because, as they later established, he went missing like between one and three a.m. Okay. and four a.m. Right? Isn't yes. that right? Yes, we'll agree on this because you're right, and we and it's important for me to agree with you when you're right because otherwise I look like a fool. Um. <laughs> Uh, he said he was on. He tells his but what wife. What if you agree with me when I'm wrong? I never do. 10.03 p.m., Friday night before he went missing, he tells Isabel he's on his way to a meeting to discuss an upcoming Christmas party with a band leader at a lounge, which just made me think of like Ricky Lawrence Ricardo. Right. Like, yeah. I was like, who's a band leader? Really? Did but apparently. Like a jacket. But they're having a Christmas yeah. party at, their, at the, the grocery store or for their business. And um, so he has to get work on the logistics. Okay, but here's also why it's really weird that he's not back. They're going on a cruise that afternoon. They have to be at the dock at one point. And not like a river cruise. They're actually getting on a cruise ship and going out of town. They live in Miami, which is a destina- uh, embarkation point for... Um, why are you laughing? <laughs> not like a river cruise. All those river cruises in Florida. Or an Everglades cruise. But a proper cruise, you know, with a cruise ship. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> I think it's important to be specific about these sorts of things. This isn't like death on the Nile. I'm just trying to beef it up because it's kind of a boring story, okay? But you apparently saw more in it than I did. Um, also, Henry is kind of a babe. They show a picture of him, and he's an attractive Oh, dude. yeah. Yeah. Isabel tells the cops he was wearing a white shirt, jeans, dress shoes, and a nice... Um, I'm gonna. Th- I think that's a watch, and I misspelled it. 
I think he was wearing a nice watch. What is it that you... I said a wash. He was wearing a nice, a nice wash. wash. Yeah, maybe. well, that could be, you know, maybe a rents. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was a watch, I believe. It was a very nice watch. He was. Uh, he also had a personalized license plate on his car that said Money Man, which, which is means, really stupid. Did he buy the first car in Miami? How did he get Money Man? <laughs> like, my God. Like, if, you, if it's been spelled M-U-N, you know. Right, and maybe it was. We didn't see the real license plate. Yeah. We saw a reenactment. Of the license I was just plate. like, wow, he got money, man? Was he the yeah. first one to think of that in Florida? Yeah. Really? So he often carries large quantities of cash, hence the license plate that says money, man. Bracci immediately, this is the cop who's narrating most of this, says this has got to be a robbery. Uh, the car has GPS. So on Saturday, November 20th at 6.15 p.m., the vehicle is located in an apartment complex in Hialeah, Florida, and the plates have been switched out. And here was an interesting thing I didn't know, thanks to Michael Arntfield, PhD, professor, author, and criminologist, who's also kind of sexy. He says a plate switch can sometimes be a misdirect to make cops think that they're just um, discovering a car robbery. That if a, a murder or something else has happened, they start going down that investigative alley and they maybe don't collect or observe evidence in other areas. However, in this case... The front of the car is completely covered in blood, so there's no missing it. Yeah, it's really, and I just felt like, what a lot of trouble to go through. Why not just rip the plates off the car and throw them away, and then, you know, it's really unclear what car it is, whose car it is, and... The GPS identified the car. I know. But, yeah. So, like, I don't understand how, I think that this was an indication of what boneheads the criminals actually are because that's an enormous amount of extra trouble yeah. to go to be, because it immediately draws a line under the car. If you check them in, you know, they're to a red Miata mm -hmm. and they're on the back of a silver um, Mercedes. It's obvious that something, you know, there's criminal work afoot as opposed mm -hmm. to there are just no plates on that car. Yeah, totally. But the GPS is what led them there, so all of it was irrelevant. Also, presumably whoever did this is also responsible for not properly cleaning up the blood that's smeared all over the inside I of mean, the car. I mean, splashed over the windshield. Everywhere. Like, I yeah. mean, just, yeah, my God. Uh, on the, the vehicle's also parked a good distance from the apartment complex. There's paint transfer on the side of the car, and Isabel tells them he hadn't recently been in any accidents. Um... So the, they bring in Lori Ann Thomas, who's a criminal attorney, and she theorizes that, you know, okay, maybe it was a minor fender bender. Henry gets out of the car to confront the other motorist. There's an altercation that spills an enormous amount of blood, apparently. apparently this is Florida, after all. Yeah, but the cops are basically saying there's just too much blood for that. Okay. They're also saying that it's so much blood that whoever's blood it is did not survive this. Yes, yeah. which is like, I, I'm, I haven't heard that that often before is there like a metric where you can tell from surface area of blood stains i don't know why that they said that but they did yeah. say it i mean the floor mats were no longer in the car they, they had removed, been thrown yeah. out because they were apparently so soaked with blood it was a lot of blood and it's dna matches henry's yeah so they confirm that it, not only is it henry's blood but hen this is most likely a homicide so they go down the obvious avenues did anyone have a grudge against henry and that leads them to Henry's brothers. <laughs> 
I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. Do you have a question or comment about this podcast? Then come share it with us on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dinner party show, no spaces, and we'll do our best to answer it on the show. Just watch out for our aggrieved manservant, Shea Butters. He moderates the page, and he's been known to talk smack about the two of us. Most of what he says about you is true, though. We can discuss this later. That's right, at facebook.com slash the dinner party show. No, I meant in the car. So we've confirmed that most likely Henry has died in a homicide given the volume given of the, blood. Right, the amount of blood loss. It was at least Henry, so it was not just a robbery. This was a, at least foul play and probably homicide. And when they ask Isabel, Henry's wife, if anybody had a grudge against Henry, she directs them to his brothers, specifically to his brother, John. I don't think we hear anything about the other brothers, but it's implied he had grudges. They all had grudges against him because Henry really ran the family grocery store. Right he after was, the parents left, he yeah. kind of took over the business side of things. They did the more sort of day-to-day of keeping the shelves stocked and, I don't know, checking out the customers or whatever else you do at the um, – Hosing down the produce, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he was the he was the guy he was the money man, as right. it says on his car, who so, kept the business running, kept everybody paid, and yeah, and uh, dealt with that side of things. Now, this is maybe where I neglected to include some details, or I missed them. But Henry had his own business portfolio on the side, which we're going to learn about in more detail. But this was causing some tension with his brother John, and I'm not sure exactly what the nature of that tension was or if John wanted in on that business or not. But there was a physical altercation between them, and John grabbed Henry by the throat during it. Um, John also shot and killed a would-be robber in their store. So he's got a violent history. He's a brother of Henry's. And not afraid to use a gun. Not afraid to use a gun. So when the police interviewed— And there's a hole in the door of the car, so clearly— They think that somebody shot him. Exactly. So it was a gun. So the police interview John. He doesn't tell them about the fight he had with Henry where he grabbed him around the throat. I guess Isabel told them about that fight, Henry's wife. Not entirely (laughs) sure. It didn't seem clear, but it was like that where it was where the information must have come from. But yeah, they'd all made everything was great. They made it all up. (laughs) They were good friends. In fact, they were looking forward to the Christmas celebration, except mysteriously. Uh, He says the last time he saw Henry Friday was at 4 p.m. when he gave him a list of things for them to do while he was going to be on vacation on this not river cruise, as I clarified earlier. John's alibi during the time checks out. But John says, yeah, Henry wasn't having a meeting with a band leader. That wasn't actually. Yeah, that had been canceled. And it and, was supposed to have been earlier, even when it did happen. It wasn't at 10 o'clock at night, and it was canceled altogether. And so he doesn't know where he was, but he doesn't think he was meeting with a band leader. And they know this because the band leader contacted the store and told the brothers that he had never, the, Henry had never confirmed the meeting, and he had made other plans, right. so it was off. So no meeting. So John called Henry, and he knows that Henry knew this because he, John the brother, called him at 8.15 and told him the meeting was canceled. But... At 10.03 p.m., Henry is telling his wife, Isabel, that he's got a meeting with the band leader. Hmm. Something doesn't add up. It sounds very (laughs) suspicious to me. They're looking into Henry's credit card records after his uh, disappearance and the discovery of his vehicle. 4.40 a.m. at the gas station in Hialeah, which is where the vehicle was found. Then it's used again at 4.23 p.m. that afternoon at a grocery store in the same area. Then at 6.20 p.m. at a shoe store. 
all in the same area. The cops decide wisely, as they often do, not to cancel the card, or they encourage the family not to cancel the card, so that they can continue to trace, track, exactly, this incredibly stupid person who has never seen a crime show and doesn't know that they do this all the time. And change went to all the trouble of stealing plates off of another car, which is a crime all by itself you can get arrested for, to put them on the car with the dead body in it. Right. As though somehow that would prevent them from knowing which car it was. I just, yeah. Not a lot of good choices here. Not great choices. Not Not, a lot of good choices. Not master criminals. So, on gas station camera footage, they get film of someone using the credit card. They take the footage to Isabel. She does not uh, recognize the man, excuse me, but she recognizes the wallet he is holding because he's holding Henry's wallet. And it's a handmade, unique wallet. So it's not like it's, um, oh yeah, it's a Calvin Klein. It's really like nobody else has a wallet like it. And so she recognizes it. So, once again, this genius. Yes. They put out flyers into the community to find the guy. It doesn't work. And here was a line in the narration where I didn't quite follow what I they were talking about. I thought it was definitely about. a leap in logic. It says, but it leads them to a break in the case. And it do- there's a break in the case, but it has nothing to do with this flyer. So I don't know. Unless they all blew off and they went into the water and they were forced to go out and clean them up. And in while they were cleaning them up, it was like, oh, what's that? A body in Alligator Alley in the Florida Everglades, which is mostly eaten, but the clothes visible are consistent with Henry's last known outfit. They can't do a visual ID because of water bloat. It's now a few days after the disappearance. I mean, God. They use dental records. It's a match. The body is Henry. Yeah. We're introduced to Kira Stockdale, who is a registered psychologist. As opposed to a freelance psychologist. (laughs) Don't know what a registered psychologist is. Forensics is also part of her title, just sort of in general. Uh, She said that the investigators theorized Henry was shot and moved and then his body was dumped or... This could, which means this could be an organized hit, or all of this was impulsive and about hurriedly getting rid of evidence. Given how stupid given so much of it the was, the entire just hash that they made of everything, and the footage of the guy using the credit card and the custom-made wallet, um, seems like probably not a professional. Not hit. a professional. That would be my guess. I'm going out on a limb here. Isabel suggests to the police that they look at Henry's second business, Gentle Hands, which I initially thought was going to be a massage parlor. I'm telling you, that's really a leading title. It was a home health care business. On wink, no- wink. On November 1st. Well, they show a lot of ver- the very elderly I always being feel led- a lot healthier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, on November 1st, Henry bought the business. He was still learning it. But they learned there was a disagreement between him and his friend, or former friend, Pedro Rodriguez. They were going to combine efforts to buy the business together, but Henry cut Pedro out of the deal. It seems like Pedro cut himself out of this deal, but... Well, right, because this is what ultimately happened. And and the cops are looking into Pedro and find out his name came up in a Medicaid fraud investigation conducted by the FBI. So he's a great guy. So Pedro's story is... I had this idea to buy this business, and I went to Henry with it, but I didn't have any money to finance anything about this idea. So Henry went and bought the business and 
started me out of it. the idea of like, it was like, like, how were you cut out since you didn't invest in the business at all? You didn't have all? any money to do the business. Like, <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. I just, you could get, maybe ask him for a job working at the right. business, but since you don't have any money to buy the business, like, I'm not sure how you didn't cut yourself out of that deal. But it doesn't ultimately matter to the investigation because Pedro's alibi checks out during the times that the murder was most likely committed. Henry's cell phone records show that Henry made several calls around 10 p.m. to the same number. The final one was answered. And this phone belongs to someone who is identified only as Jose. Jose. They summon Jose to the station. And he says he met Henry on a gay website. Jose says he and Henry had been together once before and then Henry had told him he was closeted and married. And the investigation takes a whole new direction. On Henry's As computer, you might right? On Henry's computer, they discover evidence of many secret hookups with more men. That alone could be the title of something. Many secret hookups with more men. <laughs> or the name of a lot of memoirs of a lot of the people we know. And uh, they bring all this to Isabel. She loses her shit. She had apparently had no idea. She says it can't be true. The family turns against the police. They stop cooperating with the investigation. And this was one of those cringy moments where the forensic registered psychologist said they just had different values that didn't allow them to understand this. And it was like, no, no. The brother is depicted, and again, this is re-encrapment, so you never yeah. can tell, but as snatching the um, files out of the officer's hands and flinging them across the living room while saying that it's ridiculous that his brother could <clears throat> possibly have been part of anything like that. Homophobia is not a value. No. Okay. But, you know, the wife's shock and trauma, understandable, right? Any discovery that your husband's been having a second life, whether it's with men or women. Cheating on you is yeah, never, a great, never a great thing. And you can certainly understand that. But the man was murdered as a result of something. So, like, mm, seems like uh, if three minutes before he called you, he called Jose to yeah. find out if he was free for the evening. Um. So, uh, oh, I think I fucked up my own notes. So here we go. Okay, so then in a very fortuitous turn, on November 30th at 12.55 a.m., Hialeah Police, that is, Hialeah is the area of Miami where the uh, Henry's car was discovered. And I think it's also where the dog track is. Is it? That's the only thing I've ever heard in reference to Hialeah. I'm going to Hialeah, and they mean they're going to the dog and track. And the dog track is in the opening credits to Miami Vice. I think so. And so is Hialeah, which is not Hialeah. No. Hialeah. I don't know if Hialeah is in Hialeah or not, but it would be great because it would be Hialeah Highlight. Yeah, that would be really great. That would great. be very cool. But I yeah. know the dog track is, or at least it used to be. Yeah. So um, on November 30th, 1255 a.m., the police are called to a fight there between two gentlemen— not not an accurate use of that term. One of them recognizes male one of the people. male individuals, <laughs> cisgender male individuals, and one of them recognizes one of the fighting guys as the guy from the Wanted flyer that went out 10 days earlier. Uh, he's the gentleman who was on the security camera with the unique handmade wallet spending Henry's money. Using his credit card. Using his credit card. On camera. His name is Yosvani Fernandez. Which is apparently far, some foreign language for dumb as a box of hair. This guy is so dumb. Uh, his girlfriend Maria is involved in the fight that results in the police call. The police. <laughs> because, you know, a silver platter was not available. <laughs> 
I mean, this is really fortuitous for the investigation. Yeah. The police bring them in for questioning. They notify the sergeant because they're aware of his investigation in the flyer. It's soon discovered Yosvani has a criminal past. He spent 10 years in prison in Cuba for hijacking and theft before he fled to Miami. They discover that this was a detail where I was like, what is this about? They discover Yosvani had a dark colored four-door Mercedes registered to him. Oh, that's why. And the car leads them to the same apartment complex close to where they found Henry's yeah, vehicle. It's like in the space next to Henry's old and this, right. blood-covered car with the different license plates. Like, wow, you put it in your own apartment complex parking lot? This wow, like really, dumber and really dumber stupid. and dumber. Huh? So they show Yosvani's photo to all the clerks at the stores where Henry's card was used. They confirm he's the guy. <laughs> Uh, Yosvani denies everything. They're getting nowhere. He becomes irate at the suggestion that he was dating Henry because it's always good to be a deplorable criminal who manifests homophobia. In right. That really that's going to really help your case. Good to have standards when you're a fucking murderer. OK. Right. He claims he found the wallet on the ground. He claims he was out with one of his girlfriends during the time of the murder, but he can't remember which one because he's such a fucking stud. So they interview Maria. Which, really stupid to tell the police in the other room, I've got multiple girlfriends and you've got one of them stewing in in an interrogation room. So you should just talk to them if you want to know what kind of guy I am. So Maria's story is this. She says on the night of the murder, Yosvani dropped her off at work at 5 p.m. and was supposed to pick her up after her shift. At 10.30 p.m. he calls her. Then shortly after, Yosvani and another gentleman come to visit her and leave. Did they ever say where she worked? Was it a bar? Or it was a some kind of club. She was a yeah. bartender or something like that. Yosvani doesn't pick her up at the end of uh, her shift as he promised he would do, and he's not answering his phone. He finally calls her back from an unknown number at 1.30 a.m. She says, don't bother picking me up. I'm going out to the club with a friend. He calls her again while she's at the club and says, I'll come and pick you up now. He takes, she's clearly drunk enough now to accept the offer. So he right. takes her home at 4.30 p.m. and they have a big fight. <laughs> and she hadn't met anybody when she was out dancing. Right. <laughs> so she's like, I guess I'll go home with I fucking. I might as well go home with uh, Bonehead. Who may or may not be the dumbest murderer alive. Okay. No, it's, it's going to be, that would be a hard-fought competition. But, she, yeah. Right. And so she, that's all she says. And she's like, that's it. I don't know anything else. And then they show her a photograph of Henry's mutilated remains, most of which were chewed on by alligators in the Everglades. Yeah, it must have been quite a photograph to get to see at um, um, at the, her little interrogation with the, the folks. But she realizes the depth of the shit in which she finds herself. Mm-hmm. Which is always an important moment. Right, up to her neck. So she breaks down, and she tells the police Yosvani did confess to her um, because he was trying to deflect from her suspicions that he was having an affair. By telling her that he is a cold-blooded, um, ruthless killer. Right. Which is another brilliant step in his road to master criminalship. <laughs> what was that word? I was, it, it has 15 L's. Master criminalship. Um, yeah, and I just think, you know what? Like, if it's true, and I don't mean to give advice to scum... But if you're trying the to... The affair is the thing you want to yeah, go for, you want to go not for the, the murder. Affair. Yeah, can't... I cheated on you, baby, but it didn't mean anything to me. No, I was busy shooting a guy in the face and disposing of his body in Alligator yeah. Alley. Uh, so he tells her he robbed someone, killed them, and dumped the body in Alligator Alley. 
He also tells her he wasn't working alone, and the phone he called her from, that unknown number at 1.30 a.m., belonged to his accomplice, Michael. So the cops find Michael. They bring him in. Uh, they tell Michael that Yosvani has confessed, which is a lie. What they really have is Maria's statement, but cops are allowed to do this. Um, Michael starts to sing. He says he came from Cuba in January of 2004, so he's only been in the country a short time. Right. He met with Yosvani and lent him $500 and expected to be paid back, and that's when the trouble started. I'm Christopher Rice. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And Eric and I aren't just podcasters. And bitches. That's right. We're also authors. And you can buy all of our books at www.thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv and wherever ebooks are sold. At thedinnerpartyshow.com or tdps.tv, you can check out my Right Murder mystery series. Or sample my Burning Girl thrillers. The best part is, the more you buy our books, the less likely we'll end up filling the spot with an annoying ad for a napkin that counts your calories. The TDPS Network, alienating potential advertisers one promo at a time. Okay. So Michael has been brought in. The Miami police have Yosvani in one cell or interrogation room. They've got his girlfriend, Maria, who's already told them a raft of shit. And they've brought in an alleged accomplice, Michael. Including that in order to convince his girlfriend that he wasn't cheating on her, he confessed to murdering. Yeah. um, I can't even remember his name anymore. Henry. Henry. On the way. Henry. So, uh, apparently... Michael lent Yosvani $500 and expected to be paid back. And this is, what a detail. Like, so the guy who's been in the country 20 minutes after swimming in from Cuba. <laughs> is lending you is lending $500. You $500. What kind of washed up loser are you? And, and the answer is very washed up and a lot of L's in loser. Apparently, yeah. Like, you'd think that a... a an ace criminal like criminal like this yeah. would be swindling immigrants, not being <laughs> yes, not, not tricking them into loaning him five hundred dollars. Anyway, anyway. So meanwhile, the cops have their cell phones and they're looking at their cell phone records and they are seeing that they pinged like every available cell phone tower along the route. It would have they would have needed to take to dump the body and then they and dump the vehicle at the body dump site for a while right. while they were dumping the body and then. Followed them back to the the idiot's apartment complex where they concealed the blood-covered car in the parking lot. So, Michael's confession is as follows. They went to a known gay hookup spot where they found Henry and attempted to rob him. And allegedly Henry fought back and they shot him. So yeah, if you then bullshit. if you then add in that Henry was trying to hook up with this guy, Jose, on the internet. Jose couldn't meet him, so Henry goes to an adult bookstore, which is a known hangout, or allegedly a known hookup place. And there are reenactments that involve um, the actor playing Henry leaning over to kiss this guy and then having a gun pressed into his chest or whatever. Um, Okay, just to wrap up the details of this confederacy of morons, Yosvani is convicted of second-degree murder and armed robbery. He's received a sentence 
of 25 years. Michael Perez is convicted of being an accessory after the fact, 18 years. I don't, I want to hear. Michael's sentence was a little harsh. I like, wow, like. That's what happens when you don't, can't afford a good lawyer. I guess That's so, because happens. like the, he only got 70, he gave all the information, turned evidence on the other guy and only got seven years less than the guy who actually did the murder. Okay, it is now your responsibility. Okay, just for openers. But let me just give you up the stakes, because it's always, we watch those shows, those design shows. The stakes are high, because the stakes are high, because you now are going to convince me why this was not a waste of our time to watch this stupid special, which I suggested, by the way. Uh, yeah, this yeah. is actually A, your choice, and B, oh no, that's not my job. <laughs> <laughs> That's not my job, man. As uh, Freddie Penn Sr. used to always say on mm-hmm. Chico and the Man. Um, okay, so just for openers, he didn't resist. They went to this place to roll queers and take their money. Right, yeah. And the, the plan was that they would steal enough money from this guy that he could pay Michael back. And that was why sure. Michael participated in the crime because right. he really needed the $500. So they went down and just cold-bloodedly killed him. That was just, all of that shit about him resisting is just bullshit. Like, yeah. who's going to argue with him? The guy is dead and half-eaten by alligators. But the, their claim, or the claim of the cops, was that they thought by targeting closeted victims at this hookup spot that they would not report the robbery, which is a classic sort of horrible of course, thing to but do. But that's to, still, yeah. you know, like... But, okay. Like, I, this is just a complete devaluing of... Of, of Henry as a human being. Yeah. He just went and killed him and took his wallet. Like, yeah. I don't think he had any big plans to do... Like, the rest of it was so brilliantly handled. Right, yeah. Um. Okay. Okay. The okay. thing that I thought was the most noteworthy mm-hmm. about all of this is the way in which you said it was presented. It was presented entirely as a procedural. That being... There was no participation by any member of his family, mm-hmm. no pictures of any members of his family. They even blurred out the name of the grocery store when mm-hmm. they showed the building. Like yeah. those people wanted nothing to do mm-hmm. with this queer who mm-hmm. was in their family who got right. himself killed in this way and in no way stuck up for him. The story for me was in this story was this is what, you know, like instead of being in some sort of relationship, he was in some sham relationship that he was holding up his end to maintain. Mm-hmm. And that was why, because mm-hmm. his family totally hung him out to dry as soon as there was anything other than what they wanted to hear about him. This, to mm-hmm. me, was a story about, um, like, from beginning to end, was a story about homophobia. Mm-hmm. You know, like, the the crime itself, mm-hmm. I think, was very much, you know, rolling gays for money. And, um, and he got killed, whether that was originally their plan or not. Mm-hmm. Um, they could even have driven him to the body dump placed and then killed him. Like, there's no evidence that they killed him in that right. particular location. Right. I was braced for the fact that they might have met him online. I mean, that's something that you're hearing. This was a while ago. This was 2004. But more recently, you're hearing about the number of people being targeted on apps like Grindr. Sure. Lured to someplace, robbed, murdered less. There have been terrible cases of murder, but a lot of robberies and assaults and, yeah. you know. Because you don't know who you're going to meet. I mean, it is... It is the risk that you run. And honestly, like, I don't know that you're going to meet a better class of people at a pickup bar. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, like, I think you pay your money, you take your chances anywhere you go. And as one friend pointed out, 
it used to be the case that at least you could afford a computer like right. and an internet hookup, but maybe that's less of a, a barrier to entry now than it used to be now that you could just be on your phone. Right. Um, but yeah, I just, it's really, to me, this was a story about homophobia. This whole tragedy was about homophobia. He was hooking up with men on the down low because mm-hmm. he was, he was homophobic and he was felt pushed into this particular position. He was, in this marriage that he was where he was cheating on his wife because he couldn't be who he was and mm-hmm. was forced couldn't marry a man um, mm-hmm. for another uh, nine years afterwards. Um, and he put himself at risk mm-hmm. in order to participate in his own life at all and yeah. you know his own natural state. And so to me, and then the family totally didn't show up for this. Mm-hmm. Not only that, but clearly said, do not include anything about us, our name, the name of our business. This is such a disgrace to us mm-hmm. that he would be this, mm-hmm. that we don't even want to be in any way included because no member of his family participated in this. Mm-hmm. There was no moment like any other like any other dateline where they were asking the wife or asking a member of the family or his children or, you know, showing the business that he worked at or ran or any of the people that he was dealing with. Nobody from Henry's life was there for him in death. And that, to Mm. me, was really, that was kind of like a gut punch. I was like, wow, this was his horrible, brutal, savage ending, eaten by alligators, shot Mm. in the head and eaten by alligators while trying to get, you know, Mm -hmm. a little strange. Um, why don't you tell people what you mean by a little strange? Oh, it by sleeping with somebody unfamiliar. Ah, uh, I I didn't. Oh, I didn't know it meant that. I thought it meant you know kinky, but no. you always say it. But a little strange. Okay, yeah, just yeah, a little something on the side. There um, is a, and that's which is maybe not the most noble thing in the world to do, but nobody deserves to be shot in the head and fed to the alligators because. They cheated. Mm. Like, I, you know, like maybe they have to pay alimony for a long time. But, yeah, totally. But th- but this was brutal. And then his family just won't even, you know, step up to the plate to say, mm-hmm. we miss him, we're sorry, or whatever. And, you know, no, just, did they go to the trial even? Like, I mm. don't even have that sense. Like, the, the punishments weren't even very severe, I thought. Mm. For the ruthless way in which he was targeted and murdered, I... It's practically a hate crime. Mm-hmm. And he got 25 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen people get 25 years for just strong armed robbery. Right. With a weapon where you're using a weapon, let alone shooting somebody in the head and feeding them to the alligators. Mm-hmm. I just was that was the story I heard. So mm-hmm. the fact that all of those things were missing from this story, I think you're right. It made it very dry because all they had was the procedural stuff. Yeah. You know, and they did make it clear that the family washed their hands of the entire matter the minute that uh, Henry's true nature was revealed to them. Mm-hmm. They denied it and then had nothing further to do with the investigation. Everything else was just the, um, the police showing up for this poor man mm-hmm. and uh, getting him justice that his family was no longer interested in him having. Mm, 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 mm. You're making me want to research this case. This you is, see yeah, what I mean? I, I know. I didn't, I didn't even think about it in those terms. There, when I did look for some follow-up online, and there wasn't a lot, and I saw that the, another show that we have done on True Crime TV Club has an episode on this, and that show was called A Perfect Murder. That is a, 
show that is constructed with a lot of reenactments. And I don't think the case that we looked at on there had any family involvement either. It was the case of the older dad who was struggling with staying sober, who it was all L.A. And I think he was sleeping with like a yoga instructor. And it was like, I can't even remember how the case. (laughs) We've done so many freaking true crime TV clubs. But it was not a show that relied on family. And so if they also chose to do this case, maybe it's a sign that, yeah, this is the case you do when you can't get any interviews with family. Maybe so. I can't remember. It almost feels to me like there were a couple of people, like the friend that he stayed with, Mm. the father who went missing and was Mm -hmm. later killed by the, like maybe the friend that he stayed with was... Maybe so. There were so many reenactors in yeah, that that it was it's hard really, to remember. It was very heavily reenacted, and yeah. and the the part that I remember most distinctly about that was the Bambi and yeah, uh, the, Barbie who did the, the talking the, heads. Yeah, the, the talking heads on it who were like, "Wow, who are these babes? This Celebrity is really, lawyers? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Wow, what. these are some fine looking yeah. uh, narrators for this story. Totally and live and direct from Huntington Beach. It's um, all of Faye Resnick's friends. <laughs> right. Wow. But, you know, it's like, it was another, um, we just wrapped up our Pride Month episodes last week, but it's, we talked about, and this wasn't last week, or maybe Bridegroom was last week. Bridegroom was last week. These were both sort of these, they weren't that far in the past, but they felt, I felt like I was going back to a previous really difficult and challenging time for it's, gay men. It is hard to remember. It's like cell phones. Yeah. Like, President, when President Obama was elected, he still had a BlackBerry. Right. Like, we have become incredibly dependent on our smartphones in a very short period of time. I, I know that isn't, it seems unrelated, but it's, it's, it's things are so much different now and yes. so much better now that it's hard to bear in mind that Windsor versus, I guess, state of New York or whatever the, whoever the, Edie Windsor case mm-hmm. that um, overturned DOMA um, was only eight years ago. Right. Yeah. And the employment thing was, I think, two or three. It was mm-hmm. Gorsuch, actually, much to everyone's surprise, was the the swing vote that, that you know, made it so that you can't just fire somebody for being gay, that mm-hmm. that's not cool. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't think that would be something you'd have to have the Supreme Court rule on, but Bigotry knows no limits Absolutely. and has a great deal of energy and effort. But things have really changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that, yeah, in the, in the case last week, bridegroom, he would have been married and this wouldn't have happened. Like, I yeah. often, I'm often fond of saying that if um, there had been gay marriage um, at the time of, the, of Andrew Cunanan's divorce— mm. um, from his or a potential divorce from his uh, husband, mm-hmm. uh, his sugar daddy in that moment, Johnny Versace would still be alive. Mm-hmm. That he would have gotten, you know, either not been dumped for a newer model or he would have gotten some sort of um, alimony and not needed to go on his revenge tour of America. You know, Maureen Orth, who wrote the book Vulgar Favors, which is kind of the, one of the definitive books about the Cunanan case, says that she, she thinks he would have become an Instagram influencer. <laughs> then he had that kind of delusion. Seems very much yeah. more like, like if he hadn't been, you know, basically dumped on the streets. Yeah. 
um, as a result of the, the the collapse of that relationship, mm-hmm. if he had not been left destitute, I think he I don't think any of that stuff would have happened. And in bridegroom, I don't think that young man would have been turned away from his partner's hospital room or mm-hmm. his partner's funeral. And he would not have had to contend with his family. His family would have had, or his partner's family. His partner's family would have had to contend with him right. um, at the time of the funeral. And I think in this particular case, if this man had had different options in life, I don't think he would have been hooking up at a bookstore mm-hmm. at midnight, the night before he's going on a cruise with his wife. It, it raises the question, though. What was... I don't want to be too reductive about it, but what makes the difference between a guy like this and a guy like you and me, right? Okay, I came out of the closet at 18. You, you've you said repeatedly on this podcast, I don't mean to say it like that, but whenever it comes Just, up, you will not shut up. I will not shut but up about it. You were never really in Right. Yeah, I just I don't but, really relate to that concept. But so what what is the what determines? I know I have a lot of privilege. I had a celebrity family around me that was pretty supportive of my sexuality. But it was still there were still going to be sacrifices and challenges. Anybody who comes out is going to have to sacrifice or challenge uh, be challenged by something. Yeah. You know we're not there yet where it's challenge free. So what? At what point do we? And I'm not about victim blaming in this moment. But at no. what point do we hold people responsible for staying in the closet? Well, you know, we talked about being in the closet a couple of weeks ago. I I can't even remember which podcast we were talking about. But I respect somebody's choice to make that decision. I don't know what people are actually dealing with in their own lives. Mm -hmm. If you're dealing with parents who you think might kill you or a religion. Safety reasons, right? Yeah, sure. A religion that you hold very dear that contends that you believe contends that, you know, you will go to hell Mm -hmm. if you, you know, accept this temptation. I'm doing Mm -hmm. air quotes on this end because – I don't think that that's what it is, but I think some people genuinely believe this. I don't, you know, you can't know what time it is in some anyone else's life. Right. And I think people have to make the decision that they have to make. But it's, there's a, uh, there's a thing, uh, it's, it's from Say Uncle, I'll mm-hmm. quote my own book, where he's talking about in the wrap-up, he says, you know, if you ask people who the biggest influence in their life is, they will tell you all kinds of people. But the biggest influence in your life is you. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, it's not what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. Right. And I think that we are all the progenitors of a lot of the things that unfold in our lives. And I think people make the choices they make in the moment that they make them and they unfold in the way that they do. Mm-hmm. And. And I don't think that makes them wrong decisions or what, because you can't know how things are going to play out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there are sacrifices to be made. Like maybe this man thought his family would disown him. Maybe they had been Mm -hmm. very vocally and he wanted to be a part of the family business and he wanted to be, he didn't want to be cut out and left in the cold. I don't really fault anybody for making that decision. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't, I, I get it. Right. You know? My parents didn't have anything. Uh, still don't. So <laughs> there was no real. There was no real stakes for me. Like, oh, I'm not going to be going to be cut out of their um, high school counselor millions. You know what I mean? Like, not really. There wasn't like I wasn't right. risking that sort of thing. There was no family business to mm-hmm. be passed on to me. Um, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. I didn't. I wasn't contending with that sort of mindset. Right. Um, and. Maybe I would have decided differently if there had seemed like some stakes. There were certainly some career things that I think 
I could have benefited oh, yeah, from yeah, totally. if I hadn't, um, if I had, you know, elected to um, deceive hide, a woman right, into marriage, hide yeah. my life, or you know, pretend. To and and that's else. the po- the flashpoint at which the question always comes up for me. If you're going to the lengths, it's one thing to stay closeted, but a sham marriage. If it's truly a sham marriage. This gentleman could have been bisexual and felt like he couldn't be openly bisexual. Well, the wife was know. genuinely surprised, the police said. That which she really, often says that which, to me. Which, yeah. that he was, you know, showing up. There are yeah. three beautiful kids and they were having, they were happily married and having a life together. And so this may have just been his strange. This, this was the yeah. mistress that he kept. It just happened right. to be other men. And I think that part of the continuum and of bisexuality also should be factored in. There, yeah. was, there was no out to come. He really was, in fact, in love with and sure. committed to his wife and perfectly happy to be married to her. Aaron Hernandez's wife insists to this day that they had a they had a real marriage, they had a real sexual relationship. She's been made aware, I assume at this point, of all the evidence now of, of Aaron and Hernandez's bisexuality. Right. And, you know, her testimony, which doesn't seem to be driven by a profit motive or anything. I mean, she's been through hell herself. Right. She wasn't implicated in any of those crimes. She was just a sort of a bystander to it all. She seems to be sincere enough to suggest this was a bisexual man who demonstrated real love for me. So it's hard to judge a marriage as a sham marriage from the outside, obviously. You can't possibly know because he's dead. But if an individual is deceiving somebody into marriage to cover up their sexuality, I wonder if we're approaching a time where that choice is coming with greater accountability. Because that's really... As, as Dan Savage often jokes, he would love for these people who are preaching about conversion therapy to agree to have their daughter to marry a gay man who's been through reparative therapy right. and says he's been cured. If that's Go what, ahead. If that's what, if that's Go what ahead. you think that... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also the, the you know, the it's like the beginning of... Um, I never ended up being able to watch uh, Grace and Frankie or Frankie and Grace. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which Grace the, and Frankie, yeah. Love them, love the show, love the pri- the premise, but it was a lot, it wasn't a comedy for me. Yeah. It was a lot heavier. And there was a scene in the, in the pilot that really was very poignant for me. It was <laughs> kind of like a dagger in the heart. It was yeah. like, I want to be mad at you. One of the kids was saying to the father, because the premise of the show is that these two women who are friends become more that become closer after their husbands leave them for each other. Mm-hmm. So the husbands who've been forced to live a closeted life all these years finally declare their love, their longstanding love for one another and leave their wives and go to be together. And they're all having dinner together. And one of the kids says, I want to be mad at you, but I, I can't be because you're finally being allowed yeah. to right. live yourself, your life, your truth mm-hmm. um, as you are. And that was really, I thought that was really heavy. I was like, yeah. that's, that doesn't really fall into the comedy bracket yeah. for me. And I think that is very much the case um, for a long time. But you're right. I think that the statute of limitations is starting to run out. Mm-hmm. And this just now is just becoming, no, you're just cheating. And yeah. you got caught and it went bad for you. Mm-hmm. You know, like if you'd been beaten to death by a pimp in a hotel after sleeping right. with some prostitute, would that be really any different yes, than this particular right. circumstance? That's my question. Again, yeah. we're not blaming the victim, but you are responsible for the choices that you make. You yeah. chose this and then you went and did this thing. And- you know, 
I don't think that anybody deserves to be shot in the head or fed to the alligators, yeah, as and I've I, said. I'm, but... I'm asking the question separate from murder, yeah. separate from this crime, just sort of in terms of the politics but of yeah, the closet. We're, we're yeah. reaching a point where that's no longer a good enough excuse because yeah. you could have made the choice now. Right. We're, we're eight years into it. In another five years, it's really like... No, dude, really, you're just There's cheating. a difference between I need to stay in the closet because I'm worried about my safety and I might lose my family, and I'm worried about um, a not insignificant but not a fatal loss of status and privilege. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think that there is a real sense of that as yet, mm-hmm. and that may be longer and going. Like, the decision to stay in the closet is different than the decision to cheat. Yeah. You know, like, I get... I get the, the the difference there because it is a sacrifice. It mm-hmm. is about making – it is potentially a sacrifice. I would like to say that there isn't any difference in the no. opportunities that are available it's to me a as sacrifice. a gay man. But it's that would be untrue. That's it's a, a lie. It's a sacrifice. Yeah. Um, we could we we will be doing more episodes about this topic. I'm sure, not this case necessarily, but this topic. July, we're in July now. Are the Olympics happening in July? The Olympics are happening. I think that I think it's the 23rd of July through. I had this figured out, and now I don't remember. It's when fine, it is, but, but we have some. We're not going to commit to them yet because we don't like to program on the air. But we have some Olympics possibilities planned. Some true right. Crime we're looking Olympics. into um yeah that that you know and. Uh, things in and around. Don't say what it is, because then we have to do it. We may change our minds. We don't want to get people's hopes okay, up. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, we won't but say it's, anything. It could but... be Olympics-related. Um, or maybe not. Maybe, maybe it be not. about um, <laughs> murder at Disneyland. You just never can tell with us. You it's never gonna be know. a sack of surprises. But what we are <laughs> A sa- sack of surprises? But what we are awful. say, But we can say for sure is we have no idea what next week's episode we will be no about. We have no idea. So we're just running it. We're just running out the clock now. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. But we will be back, and it will be something. We just have no idea what it will be. <laughs> Until then, and forever after, I'm Christopher Wright. And I'm Eric Shaw Quinn. And you've been listening to TDPS Presents Christopher. And Eric. Thanks, and happy Fourth of July. This is TDPS.